0: Welcome to First Verses. I'm Jonathan Deckel.
1: Woke up this morning, I suddenly realized we're all in this together. I started smiling, cause you were smiling, and we're all in this together.
0: Since the mid-1990s, Australian singer-songwriter Ben Lee has been fusing his playful love for melody with a vigorous intellectual curiosity. Now based in Los Angeles, where he lives with his wife, the actress Ione Skye, and daughters Goldie and Kate, Lee's recent output includes an album of songs about Islam for the whole family, a musical adaptation of the children's book B is for Beer, and most recently, covering some of his favorite indie icons, including Sonic Youth, Pavement, and Guided by Voices. On a sunny pre-pandemic afternoon, please set at my dining room table to talk about fostering creative empathy, unlikely carpool soundtracks, and tracing his musical roots to the court of Tsar Nicholas in Russia. Bentley, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. You began your career at 14. Did you grow up in a musical family? My parents were significantly older, so I had sisters who were
1: 15 and 18 when I was born. So I remember their albums quite a lot, because they had Roxy Music Avalon and Fleetwood Mac Rumors. So uh, those albums made a big impression. But music was more... like My parents loved music, but music was something I really discovered on my own and had my own appetite for through the radio and video shows and things like that.
0: What drew you to music then if it wasn't inherited?
1: Yeah, well, it was inherited in the sense that I do have music in my bloodline, and, like, I have one of my great uncles was the court violinist for Tsar Nicholas in Russia, so there's, like, music in our
0: bloodstream. Wait, tell me more about that.
1: Well, my grandmother was the youngest of 20 children and the only uh, girl, and she grew up in, it was, like, pre-basically Industrial Revolution Russia on a farm, so... She had all kinds of brothers, and there was a lot of stories. There was that one, but there was another brother who was a gypsy violinist called Sasha Berliner. And he lived in the 20s in Berlin and was friends with Einstein and was like, oh, you know, I've got clippings of him. Uh, like, he used to jump up on tables and perform in people's faces, and I was like, oh, that's where I got it from, because I like that too. Uh, so, yeah, it was just sort of, these is like, you know, it's a family history that, interestingly, once you get into, like, people moving to the West to create opportunity and all of that, a lot of it gets, the artistry gets a little bit sublimated in, like, factory work and trying to get your kids into universities. And But then it's funny with music because it tends to sneak back in families, you know, you can't kind of hold it down for too long. But, yeah, in terms of my relationship to it as a listener, it was really shaped around, like, the music video shows we used to have on Saturday and Sunday mornings in Australia on you know, television, and, like, Michael Jackson and the Pet Shop Boys and Tiffany and Debbie Gibson and, you know, the pop music that was on. I was, like, just getting exposed to it. And noticing uh, – it's funny because, you know, pop songs, they're sort of limited in the sense that they're sort of a predictable format – Yet they each seemed like their own universe. Like they had a different atmosphere. They had a different message. They told different stories. Like I was just intrigued with the fact that these songs could take you to such different places within three minutes.
0: Was there one in particular that that kind of stood out for you?
1: I do remember uh, the Pet Shop Boys left to my own devices. I was really intrigued by that band because their music was clearly pop, like dance music, but it was all really, it had a sadness to it. So I was always kind of intrigued by things that held tensions within them. You know, I didn't necessarily like a song that was like a clear party song or a clear heartbreak song. Like they felt sort of too obvious to me. I liked songs that there was some tension between like the substance and the style or something like that. Minor chords. (laughs) Yeah, but also like minor chords done up-tempo.
0: Now that you have children of your own, I'm wondering, is there a certain musical style or taste that you're trying to pass on to them?
1: Um, I think more than
0: any specific
1: style or taste, I I wanted to give both our kids the um, skills and tools to understand art, music, cinema, visual art, Um, you know, the ability to listen to music and actually hear it, to hear the words, to hear the melodies, to hear the chord changes, how does it make you feel? I was more concerned with that. You know, my daughter at the moment is learning the harp, right? So it's like she has inherited my love of being different. Um, So she's playing the harp. And there's one chord change she does that always moves me. And it's become a little, uh, in one of her pieces, it's become a little moment where she looks at me before she plays this chord, this arpeggio, and she knows that it affects my nervous system, you know? And things like that. Like, I want, I want the kids to understand that music uh, is a language and means different things. And even, like, intervals between notes there's associations to them they they mean different things like a a minor third is really different to a major fourth and whether they know that by name or something they know the feeling of when a bluesy sound comes in or when a happy majory sound comes in you know so so like it, it's just a way of understanding art and one of the times that um i realized it was working was actually with my stepdaughter when she was um probably 6 or 7 and she said to me, what's the movie? She just watched the movie Coraline. You know that movie? And she said, what's Coraline about? And I started telling her the plot. And she said, no, but what's it about? And I was like, oh, you have understood that art has both a narrative meaning and a symbolic meaning that says something. about." And I, I felt very happy about that, you know, because if you can't think about art, about music, it's like, you're kind of only getting half the joy of it. Like there's the sensual experience of enjoying music or going, woo, what a fun movie or what scary movie. But then the thinking about it is almost like where you extract the real juice. Mm-hmm. That's how it affects your life, you know? So, and then, you know, my daughter now she's 10 years old and she, um she's just got her own playlist on my Apple music thing. Cause she has, cause she drives to school every day. We drive to school and she wants, she's like, had this song in my place. And it's, it's funny. Cause it's really like, it's quite depressing. Like, well, she loves like her favorite song is God by John Lennon. Weird song, you know, but it's funny. Cause her friend said recently to her parents, I like going in the car with them, but they always just play old weird music. And I was like,
0: yes. All right. So how does a 10 year old get into
1: God by John Lennon? She's seen look who's talking and it has the song jealous guy in it. So she got into Jealous Guy. I was like, oh, you want to hear that record? And then she heard the song God. And I think she just, she's a very smart kid. I think she doesn't totally understand it, but she knows that it's wrestling with something really big. Like this guy, because we've told her about John and Yoko and leaving the Beatles and him going through his process of trying to sort of like understand who he was outside of that phenomena. And so I think she's just in, it's, it's a very rebellious song. I mean, in a way, it's uh, it's like the ultimate "fuck you" song. You know what I mean? I think that's a very appealing thing for a kid. God is a concept by
0: which we measure.
1: God is a concept by which we measure our pain. That is an intriguing thing to think about. Mm-hmm. It's not obvious what that means, you know? It's something that I think she's marinating on.
0: Are you the type of parent or the, or the type of, kind of artist parent that wants to explain these things to her?
1: I don't explain it to her in the sense that I don't uh, tell her I have any answers about those questions, but I'll say to her that's an interesting idea. I'd listen to it. That's an interesting idea. It's worth thinking about. Um, I, if she, as you do, you know, she sometimes encounters friends and friends' families with more dogmatic religious beliefs. I mean, when anyone asks me about how are we raising the kids as far as spirituality, something like, oh, we're artists. That's that is. You don't understand it if you haven't grown up with that. But it's it's a philosophy. You know, it's an understanding that there is meaning, but it's a personal journey and it's one that has to be experienced. Um, so we, I've always told her, you know, like, we respect all religions and we don't believe there's any one that's more true than any others, and if she has a friend who's from an evangelical family, if they tell her she's not allowed to like Jesus because she's Jewish, I just tell her, well, you don't even argue with it. Just say, okay, and just know that they're coming from their belief system. And, you know, so I I want her to think. I really want her to think. That's, That's what I'm, any explanation I do is for that.
0: believe in me your stepdaughter um, how, how old is she she's now 18 okay so, so she
1: was four when me and Ioni got together
0: how do you kind of do work work in that kind of format in terms of trying to influence through art or influence through well song? that's been
1: a really interesting role I think step parenting is really um it's very unique because if you become too parental you are overstepping your mark but if you don't step up at all you're basically not taking the opportunity to give generously to someone that's growing and you know so for me it's been trying to have this balancing act over the years and at times I've gone too far in one or the other direction but I think um I don't know like One of the things I think with her that's been interesting, my stepdaughter, is, you know, me and her mom both were sort of a little bit prodigal with our careers where we started really early. And I think Kate felt some degree of, like, pressure to have, like, found her medium as an artist, if she's going to be an artist, um, sooner than it's happened. So she hasn't really found her thing which is normal when you're <laughs> 18, right? But she lived with a type of pressure on herself that she wanted to have found her thing already. Um, and one of the ways I've tried to be supportive of her is to let her know that it's a process. Whatever whatever your sort of quote unquote destiny is, whatever your the way your spirit would like to reveal itself to you through creativity and choices and love and you know it's a process and you can't rush it. You have to let it reveal itself over time. And there's no, I think our culture is a little bit too youth oriented. um, And I don't know that there should be any pressure to begin expressing yourself professionally. Like if it happens, it happens. There's nothing you can do to stop it. But the idea that an 18 year old should be able to voice their, you know, creative voice artistically and like um, articulately, it just feels unrealistic to me. So for me with her, it's been a lot of just like encouraging her to experiment and play and and follow her enthusiasm.
0: Mm-hmm. Obviously also kind of growing up in Hollywood, she probably has friends that have been in movies or- Yeah, I mean, in a way it's quite good it because
1: it's sort of like demystifying a little bit. Like, you know, I, I think for both our girls, they're not really like the starstruck types um, because you grow up maybe not meeting all your heroes, but you're one or two steps removed at best from anyone you admire. Um, So I think that from what I've seen, that's sort of quite healthy, Um, but neither of our kids are really the type to sort of end up like in the like you know, club scene or anything. So it's like, they're not really susceptible to that type of thing. They're they're both very creative, intelligent, you know, real thinkers. Um, But yeah, I I think it's kind of exciting to grow up so close to so much creativity and for it not to be that mysterious. Like Goldie, our little one, said to me recently, she said, you and Mama are interesting because your jobs are sort of like hobbies. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, we don't go to the office every day. We work when we want to, when we feel it. Like, yes, there's deadlines sometimes and you got to get it done. But basically what she sees is I start noodling around on the guitar and I get kind of excited and then I disappear into the studio for a little bit. And it, who knows when that happens? It happens when it happens. And, you know, it's a relationship to creativity and art being part of, like, holistically part of our lives, not like some kind of weird thing that there's all this superstition around or something.
0: You mentioned earlier that you managed to gain quite a bit of success pretty early on, and obviously your wife was quite successful early on as well. And perhaps as a result of this, you end up with this almost kind of Forrest Gumpian life where you brush up with celebrity all the time, Uh, your father-in-law's Donovan. Uh, I'm just wondering how you explain that to the children.
1: That sort of imagining there needs to be some special conversation, like... Then me being making music is something that's always been in the house. And so naturally it's something they presume that happened before their existence and that there would be music I made. I do think every now and then there's a relevance to like, Hey, you want to see something I did at your age? You know, that's interesting, I guess, you know, but, um, and as far as Don, like my wife's dad, you know, um, yeah, that's fun. Like when they Mellow Yellow was in Despicable Me. You know, that was like or minions or whatever it was. That was exciting for the kids. They was like, hey, that's my grandpa. Um But again, this is like normal to us,
0: <laughs> right? You know? It's only the it's only the, the rest of us that it seems. <laughs> yeah, like why
1: wouldn't your family be singers or not? Like that you know what right, I mean? Right. That's just how we live. Yeah.
0: Mama just mad about Saffron. She's just mad about me call me Mellow Yellow, They call me Mellow
1: Yellow,
0: call me Mellow
1: Yellow.
0: The last couple of years, not not this current album, but the the past one and and the one before that, I guess. Um, you've written songs that are essentially ostensibly for children or kind of seen through the eyes of children. I, I'm wondering what what inspired that.
1: It's funny because I I. Like, my daughter kept telling me, make a kid's record, make a kid's record. I'm not really that interested in making a kid, kid's music. I'm interested in making music for the kid inside the adult. You know, like, I always like Jonathan Richman and um, the Beatles are like that too. Like, it speaks to the kid in you. So at the moment, you know, I wrote this musical with Tom Robbins and it's... It, it, it's like a grown-up story for children, a children's story for grown-ups, and we're turning it into a feature, animated feature film at the moment. And it's, but it's not, it's not for kids. Like kids could watch it, but it's not inappropriate for kids. But that's sort of not the audience. It's for the innocent adult or the the innocence in the adult, and that's I'm interested in that. You know what I mean? Like the idea of speaking directly to kids. I don't. I love kids. I talk, I talk to kids and play with kids in our house all the time but as f- I don't need them as my audience I'm actually more inclined to speak to adults about adult concepts you know I, I like that in music um, but I do think having it be inclusive so that kids aren't left out of that experience is really nice
0: back at the beginning
1: there was absolutely nothing only infinite potential and the Hindus call it Brahma till a moment of expansion that we cannot really fathom happened 14 billion years ago the universe was born in a sudden burp of energy. Atoms started forming, they the yeast and grain of matter. And next hydrogen was cooling, spawning stars and supernova. And the sky lit up like Hollywood. Now we had a solar system, what we now call Earth. A petri dish for algae right? with primal cell division. That began our made an elegant transition to sex and sex more. Sex and sex.
0: This is the history of you. What piece of art was that for you? What kind of was the first one that spoke to your uh, inner child, I guess?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess, like, what was interesting about Nirvana were that, at their best, they were super melodic. And I've always found, like, melody to be, like, it's so cute that we like melody. Do you know what I mean? Like, no matter how tough we are, we like melody. And I I always thought it was when heavy bands are melodic, I find it really sweet because it's like, it it acknowledges that we have this innocent side that wants to hear a nursery rhyme. Um, So for sure, like a lot of like grunge stuff and all that, I just love it. Is there
0: a song in particular that you can...
1: Um, I mean, I I remember like "Lithium" by Nirvana. I just thought it was such a lovely song, and so raucous and rebellious, but also just like lovely.
0: I'm so happy today my friends,
1: my and then once I discovered like Jonathan Richmond and stuff, like all that stuff to me was like like "Ice Cream Man" live from the Modern Lovers live record was just like. Who are these people at this show? Because it sounds like you're at a kindergarten or something, but it's clearly all adults, and it's got a sense of nostalgia, and it's a magic, but it's present tense.
0: Mm. the ice cream man uh, last question I'll let you go Is has there been a song that uh, either of your daughters have, have played you that kind of switched the table so you're like wow this is this is something that maybe I never thought of as yeah something- well
1: my my stepdaughter for sure has because she's like the Spotify generation so she's discovered like Brazilian music and um, turned me under tons of stuff is there um, anything in the song in no. particular maybe you can think of uh Or a band. Well, like, what's his name? Caetano? Caetano Veloso. I didn't know about him. My stepdaughter turned me on to him.
0: (laughs) What what was, uh, maybe kind of expand on that, like, what was it? Well. What was the experience like, maybe?
1: Well, I guess part of it is that I'm from a generation where it was difficult to access music outside of your immediate sphere. So that's why being a fan, I think, was such an identifier um, in terms of your personality when we were younger because you had to put in major effort to get a punk rock record, you know, or to get, you know, a weird seven-inch or something. Now with streaming, the access is so different that I just see culturally the amount of kids that know about i mean again i don't i don't think my kids are like stock children <laughs> the, the way they're using the internet and stuff but i just find the, like my stepdaughter the way her and her friends the amount they know about different types of world music is astounding to me and i find that they're what they're looking for it's almost like I don't know if you you were like this but when I was a kid I looked at a movie with subtitles as kind of being like hard work you know what I mean and I used to kind of feel like that about music that wasn't in English I was like oh it's sort of hard work but if you're thinking in terms of emotion and groove and uh, melody and chords and you know then there's all kinds of uh, different experiences that are available and I look at the way streaming has allowed kids to sort of compare this to that and that to that. And, you know, it, it's just a very different experience. More than any one song, it's been her way of discovering music and listening to things and openness and lack of identification with a genre. You know what I mean? Because you don't need it. Who cares?
0: Right. You what, don't have to identify as a punk to, to be with other punks. Either. at
1: all. Doesn't matter at all. And that has, I think, influenced... I mean it's funny cuz at the end of the day I think I still primarily identify with um folk and songwriter traditions you know but that veers into there's all there's all that stems from like country music stems from there's german stuff and mexican stuff and you know gypsy music and there's all kinds of traditions so i think it's just opened me up to just thinking about the way i listen to music in
0: different ways indeed thank you so much for coming in and talking to me about this and being open to it i, I really appreciate thanks, it thanks man that was ben lee his latest album quarter century classics is available now this episode was recorded by dave Ewinson and written edited and produced by jonathan Deckel. first verses is a greater good production